0: Right now, it is a Test Tube Thursday, so we are joined by our favorite scientist, Dan Riskin. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Okay, you got to tell me how this happened. Uh, Last week, we were talking about how walking a dog can lead to head injury, and then you ended up smacking your head walking the dog.
1: I, it's it's hilarious because the, my whole thing was like, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. You're not going to hit your head unless you're elderly or whatever. And so then I'm walking my dog and the dog won't give me the ball back. And I'm looking down at the dog, trying to get the drop it, drop it, doing that thing, walking forward in a playground. And I cranked my melon on the uh, on the monkey bars oh. that are too low kids should be doing monkey bars at least 10 feet up so to protect me when I'm walking around there so anyway I went down like brown I was bleeding everywhere and before I even hit the ground I was remembering our conversation and thinking of the irony of it but uh I'm fine I have a goose egg and I've got a little split on my forehead but uh I think I'm going to survive it's just it's it was it was made a much more uh pleasant experience by the irony and the fact that I got to giggle a little bit uh because uh, otherwise it was no fun at all and did the dog help at all the dog did not help and nor did I was with my eight-year-old daughter who just screamed that I was going to die for like two hours. <laughs> just, you're going to die. You're going to die. So that was that was the conversation we had. And it's it's like the typical parent thing where like I really wanted to treat my head and like, you know, deal with it, look at it in the mirror and stuff like that. But I spent all my time sort of just holding a bunch of, you know, Kleenex on top of it to stop the bleeding while I was trying to calm her down. And uh, I don't think I did a very good job calming her down. I looked like a, a
0: you know, Frankenstein. <laughs> I feel like we should be playing some Gordon Lightfoot here. An AI experiment (laughs) decodes brain scans to reveal what people are thinking, so if you could read their minds.
1: Exactly. And you know what? I I appreciate the Gordon Lightfoot. It's a timely reference, but I also, it's May the 4th, and this actually ties into something from Star Wars. So I want to play a little clip just to set the scene. Okay. And now, Your Highness, we will discuss the location of your hidden rebel base. Resistance to the mind probe is considerable. It'll be some time before we can extract any information from her. (laughs) The mind probe. I don't know if you remember that scene, but uh, Leia has been captured. She's on the Death Star. This is the original episode four. And this black ball thing that flies, this drone thing comes into the room with a needle sticking out of it. And the idea is that she's going to give her secrets over because we want technology to be able to extract secrets from people. That's the that's where the evil technology goes. And just lo and behold, it's also where humans are taking artificial intelligence. So this is a new paper out of uh, the University of Texas in Austin, where they're using um, MRI machines to read people's minds and then feed it through... Uh, basically, Chat GPT. It's actually not technically Chat GPT. It's a precursor of it. But just while a person's imagining a story, the, the machine in real time can tell you what they're thinking. It can tell the story just by scanning their brain. Now, to do this, The person has to lie in the MRI recorder and listen to podcasts for several hours so the machine can learn how the brain of that individual person uh, encodes things. But once that's done, the person can either read a story or listen to a story or even watch a silent film and a string of words come out of the machine that accurately describe, about 50% of the time, accurately describe what's going through their mind. And so that's a pretty amazing step forward and really would have helped Darth Vader uh, get past that hurdle of Princess Leia's stubbornness.
0: Yeah, I continue to be creeped out, I have to say. I mean, we're doing AI stories on a daily basis now and I just I get the feeling that Skynet is right around the corner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is not the way in which AI is going to wield its strongest threats. Uh one of the things they did with this is to make sure that if a person tried to block, like if you if you think about other things while you're being told a story or while you if you don't participate, you can block it so so the people who had been who would been trained on could prevent it from reading their minds if they just imagined other stuff and uh and people that are not have not spent several hours having their brain scanned while they listen to podcasts lying very very still in an mri machine if you put a new person in there and try to read their minds it's complete gibberish so right now it only works in select cases which is good because then it can't really be used against your will however it could be used and this is where this is really great if you have uh, some kind of a disease like als where you're losing the ability to speak over time, you could spend some time training on this thing, and then it might provide a way for your brain to communicate with the
0: outside world when your mouth no longer works. Okay, now that is cool. Um, Alien civilizations could map Earth using signals from mobile towers. So effectively, we're sowing the seeds of our own destruction.
1: Hey, well, I mean, this is this is interesting. So one of the things that scientists do is to listen to space to see if we pick up any transmissions from aliens. And that has been going on for decades. And we haven't yet detected anything that suggests there is a civilization out there. I mean, not only would they have to live, they would also have to transmit over radio waves. And then not only that, the radio waves would have to reach us. And, and so it would have to kind of be, they would have to be pointing the right way. So one question you could ask is, we're using radio waves to communicate all our cell phone towers use radio waves. So uh, is it possible? possible that other civilizations could pick us up? And what would we sound like? And so using simulations and looking at the distribution of all the radio wave emitting things on Earth, um, scientists sort of came up with uh, what aliens, what we would look like to aliens. And back in the day, it was mostly radio towers. Now we've got these cell phone towers all over the place. And cell phone towers send most of their energy out, not straight up towards space, because that would be a waste. They send it straight out to the sides so that it, it sort of hits people that are in the region around the cell phone tower. So the, the direction in which cell phone towers send the most energy is parallel to the horizon. So uh, it's not a civilization that's straight up in the sky above you that would be able to pick that up. It's a civilization that's right on the horizon. And so something a civilization that's in the northern hemisphere would be able to pick up more signals than one in the southern hemisphere because there are more cell phone towers in the northern hemisphere. Anyway, they went they went nuts on this and did all the calculations. And they figured out that you would basically not be able to pick up what a cell phone com- conversation is but from the magnitude of the noise that you picked up from all these cell phone towers you would be able to figure out some things like where people live on earth and what the rotation and axial tilt of the earth is based on how those change periodically and so uh, it's just interesting to think about what we're sending out into space the the real question is is anybody listening and I kind of hope there is somebody listening
0: but I hope they're friendly okay and uh, one last story a study says maybe selfies are aren't as shallow as we thought they were?
1: Yeah, this is kind of cool. I mean, the thing about selfies, everybody loves to to hate them, but we all do them. And actually, there's this big study out of Instagram that shows that most of us, if you look at our our Instagram feed, uh, it's half selfies and half uh, normal pictures that aren't selfies. And so why is that? And it turns out this new study that used a bunch of different methods figured out that selfies are really good if you want to capture the meaning of a moment. If you want to capture just something, an event, like you're seeing something, you just take a picture of it. But if you want to capture what that moment means to you, and if you want to go back and see that picture and remember why that was a special time, a selfie is actually more effective. People prefer to take selfies in those instances and the selfies work better at evoking the meaning of that moment. So let's stop hating on selfies. Let's admit that we all take them and let's uh, embrace them for what they're good for because in some ways they're actually better than the traditional picture that's just front-facing. Okay, so next time you're in studio, we'll do a selfie together. That sounds good. Hopefully, my head will have healed by then, so it won't look so ugly.
0: Actually, have you posted a picture of this knock on your head? Is it on the front? I I haven't yet, but I should. I'll do it today. Okay, good stuff. I mean, not that I'm reveling in your suffering, but uh, good to have you. Thank you, Dan. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) That's Dan Riskin, our science expert.